Hi, it's uh, the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred. I'm recording the intro to this uh, particular podcast uh, at The Daily, 222 South Main Street in downtown Salt Lake. The Daily, great place owned by Ryan Lauder. Uh, takeaway food, breakfast and lunch, and uh, brunches on Saturday and Sunday. Please try The Daily. Now, the uh, interview you're about to hear was not recorded at The Daily. It was recorded in our, uh, our radio studios at Broadway Media. Uh, because Carol Lynn Pearson, my guest, was was there to do some other interviews, and then I sat down with Carolyn uh, for uh, a nice interview about her life and her work. She is well known to many of you, I think. Uh, she is a, a writer, uh, she is a poet, and she is a fascinating woman. Um, I hope you enjoy it. It's Carol Lynn Pearson on the Let's Go Eat Show. And I'm very happy to welcome to these microphones Carol Lynn Pearson. Uh, Carol Lynn Pearson, uh, noted author uh, and noted uh, poet and um, activist. Uh, Not by choice, though, in a way. Right, Carol Lynn Pearson? Well, life chose me to move into an activist mode for a number of subjects. And it's wonderful that I I love the subjects that life has called me to address. Mm. And I have done a lot of good in those subjects. Now, Carolyn Pearson is here in uh, Salt Lake because uh, she was given an award by the by Equality Utah at an impact dinner. And uh, the award was called... Oh, it was called the Impact Award, wasn't right. it? And uh, t- tell me a little bit about that experience. It was overwhelming. 2,000 wild LGBT people celebrating, celebrating. It was their annual fundraiser, and they had uh, worked up a program that, that was just um, as- astonishing. And there's yeah. entertainment... And uh, it, it was just very, very exciting and nonstop. You know, gay people can really know how to, to do up a party. <laughs> they do, don't they? They do. Um, and and this, was, this was a big one. Uh, I want to thank you, by the way, for just sticking around for a few minutes. We talked to Carolyn live on the uh, Radio from Hell show, and now she's uh, deigned to be here for a little bit longer interview for the Let's Go Eat show, the podcast I do. Um, uh, let's talk about how you got, how you got to where we are today it's been a a long journey uh but you grew up in salt lake you're born in salt lake born in salt lake city uh grew up in the mormon church yes indeed very staunch family of uh uh, latter-day saints yes um and then uh, uh so what led you to um did you always have an open mind about things do you think I always had a questioning mind. I I was born into this world with women's issues. I looked around and said, wait, wait, I'm as smart as any of the boys here in my class. How is it that um, on the radio, mm-hmm. uh, up in, in, in the in the chapel, all up, up in heaven, why are all the authoritative voices out of heaven male voices? Uh, none of that made sense to me. Mm. So what we call women's issues was very immediate 
even in my pre-adolescent days, <laughs> to look around and, and say, "Why there's something wrong with this picture. And then, of course, I married into gay issues, which are also in the gender issue category. Mm-hmm. And so that both of those things became... Areas that I was passionate about, doing something to help people, because that's all we're here for, is to live a good life and to help other people live the best kind of life that they can. Uh, so your, your religious upbringing, was it, was it pretty, uh, pretty solid in terms of, you, you know, your parents had you go to church every week oh, yes. and, and you, you, had, you went through all of the, the rites that are supposed to, you're supposed to go through? You got married, you got married in the uh, in temple? In Salt Lake Temple. Yeah. And how old were you when you got married? I was 27 years old. So a little older than a lot of a lot of people get married mm-hmm. in the Mormon yeah. church, yeah. Um, and uh, you married. How did you meet your husband? <laughs> we met in a play at BYU. Um, you were studying theater there. Well, I had finished my work. Uh, he was actually two and a half years younger mm. than I. Mm-hmm. But I got my bachelor's, my master's, um, taught school for a year at Snow College, traveled for a year, came back, worked at the BYU Motion Picture Studio for a while, Mm -hmm. during which time I wanted to be in another play. And so I was cast as Mrs. Antrobus in By the Skin of Our Teeth. By the Skin of Our Teeth. Yes, yes, yes. George Antrobus's wife. Right. Yeah. Yep. And this very very interesting um charismatic young blonde man named gerald pearson was cast as the stage manner mm-hmm. and and i just i just fell in love with him mm. and we developed a wonderful friendship and he fell in love with me the very best he could well you uh, so as it turns out he had had uh he had he had been trying to deny his uh, homosexuality yes. uh, to himself, and yes. did, he didn't immediately come out to you as being a gay person, did he? No. We continued our friendship, our romance, and and we became engaged. Mm. And um, it was a few weeks after that that he told me he had a very serious conversation that we needed to have and he'd been fasting and and he told me that in his background there had been homosexual feelings and some behavior mm-hmm. but he was certain that that he said this this is not who I really am I know who I really am and he was a hundred percent devoted to the church yeah you know I, I have to say that it was uh, remarkable of him to tell you and not keep it a secret because yes. a lot of times young men get married to women when they have no business doing it right uh, and they don't tell their their young brides that they're gay right. or that they struggle with that sort of thing and and uh, it it ends up very badly a lot of times yes and often they're given counsel by their priesthood leaders look this is all you know we don't need to even bring your future wife into this uh, we we know that uh, you've had a blessing to uh, to help you get over this and you're going to continue to to work on and when you have a, a woman with you all that will just go away you get married it'll set you straight yeah 
It'll set you straight. Yeah. It's the final ingredient you need yep. to get away from the this that, lifestyle. That was the case for many, many people. And it and it very seldom works. Um, well, it doesn't. You know, people people can manage to live a life with someone, mm-hmm. and and but with some kind of satisfaction. So I I wouldn't want to put down anyone who who makes that decision and sticks with it. Sure. But it's a dangerous decision to make. Yeah. You know, I mean, with you and your husband, uh, Ger- Gerald, was Gerald. it? Gerald. Uh, so you're, you're married. You had sev- several children. Four children. Four children. Um, did, did this come up during that time when... Uh, well, we would talk about things around it, but we were we were both just very determined that this is what we wanted, and mm-hmm. and and this is what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it, it was not long, and and we actually had a good marriage. I think it was better than than most people's mm-hmm. marriage. He was very sensitive to mm-hmm. me, and. We uh, we continued to just move forward, and he he realized fairly early on that his inner workings had not changed, mm-hmm. and it was very difficult for him. I bet. But he he loved us so much, and he loved the children just hugely. Oh, I, I yeah. I mean, yeah. just because you're gay doesn't mean you. Uh, of you, course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. So. Uh, and we we we're, were living in Provo at that time, and uh, when it became clear to both of us that he was not going to be able to go the long haul, yeah, just the way we were, mm-hmm. it was it, it, the the my world just crashed. Yeah, absolutely crashed. So you divorced? Well, it we took a long time. We took four years, two years in Provo, and then two years after we had made a decision to move to Northern California where we we lived in Walnut Creek trying to find ways to save the marriage mm-hmm. and as you can guess it was just hell mm-hmm. i mean we both still loved each other but yeah. it was hell trying to figure out how to make this work were you both still going to church at the we time were. yeah we were um toward the end of well the last several years of our marriage Gerald was he withdrew considerably from the church because, see, that was one of the points of excruciating pain. And I remember him saying, Blossom, this is the deal. I love the church, but the church detests me. Yeah. Uh, and Blossom was his pet name for you. Yep. That's what he always called me. Carolyn Pearson, and, but it was Blossom. I, that's sweet. <laughs> uh, yes. uh, so why, why'd you move to Walnut Creek? We had to um, sell our house in Provo for a number of reasons. Well, see, Gerald made me be a published writer by insisting that we publish my f- first book of poem beginnings. Okay, so, you, so you'd written this, but you didn't... Uh, you felt confident that the poems were good? Well, Gerald was so excited about them that there was mm-hmm. no way I could tell him not to push this forward. So we um, we contacted Bookcraft, which is the only publisher that we were able really to get in their door. Mm-hmm. And and Mark Wallen said, "Oh, please, no!" But I could not sell 
poetry to anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and so we, we left, and Gerald said, well, anybody can become a publisher. You just need a little money. So we borrowed the money from BYU Credit Union, where I was working at BYU in the motion picture department. And Gerald was very artistic, and he got our dear friend, Trevor Southey, the very well-known yeah, an artist who passed away a few years ago. Yeah, I know that name. He he did some lovely illustrations, mm-hmm. and uh, Gerald created and put out this book. We we borrowed two thousand um, dollars, had two thousand books of beginnings, and Gerald took them firstly up to the BYU bookstore, and the lady said, "Oh, we can't sell any poetry, but since." Since your wife is a, a local person, I'll take four on consignment. And Gerald said, well, just take a package on consignment. I'll come to get the rest of them. Mm-hmm. So then it, it was later that day. I, I checked my diary not long ago, and it was later that day that she called and said, hey, do you have any more of those those poetry books? So for whatever reason, fluke or my fate mm. or my fortune or whatever, that little book just began to sell like hotcakes. BYU couldn't get it in. The 70s bookstore couldn't get it in. There was a period of time when Deseret Book ordered from us a thousand copies wow. a month. It just somehow hit the right thing at the right time mm-hmm. with the LDS audience. Mm-hmm. And that that book of poetry eventually sold 125,000 copies. It was astonishing. It, and it's uh, it's still uh, just revered in, uh, in, a, for, in a lot of people's libraries. It, it and, does seem to be. Yes, yeah. I hear from people all the time. Now, you, you also wrote... Uh, and then we'll get back to your married life and and uh, really a milestone in your in your writing. I think uh, the book you wrote about your husband, but and your life with him. But uh, a lot of people who, who who are around here know my turn on earth. Yes, isn't that a fun little you, piece? You wrote that, which I didn't I, realize. And, yes, well, uh, my my friend Lex Jazavedo, who wrote the music, mm-hmm. he. Uh, he came to me to brainstorm about ideas to do, and I had already just written kind of a short little children's story book with with the the general uh, thrust of that. So I said, "Look, let's let's do this thing for families for children," and so I I wrote it up, and I just wrote the songs being those things you especially want to teach your children about why we have come from heaven to earth. What are we doing here? What do mm-hmm. we have to learn here? Mm-hmm. Was this before or after uh, your poetry book? Oh, this was after. Way after you, way after yeah. your book of poems. Um, yeah. And so my turn on earth, and I, I, as far as I know, it's still done occasionally and occasionally it is still produced and any mm-hmm. any group who wants to do that just uh, look it up on the internet it's handled by zion theatricals mm-hmm. and it is a it, it's an easy thing to produce um and it, it's wonderful I, I i just love that and some of the songs some of the songs are just wonderful now is it where tell me about the song um i'll walk with you Yes, that is a song that I was asked to write in about 1986. 
well, excuse me, uh, Goodbye, I Love You, Kate, the scribe that my husband came out in 86. And it was the next year, 87, that I received a call from a woman in the general um on the general board of the the primary of the church mm-hmm. and she said we are preparing our new primary songbook and that was the same time as the new hymnal was being prepared and she said we can't send it to press because there's a song we don't have yet and so i'm calling to see if you would find a way to write that song for us and i had become very well known through my poems mm-hmm. at that time and then they also knew about goodbye i love you so they figured i might be thinking of even more different unusual kinds of people i expect mm. so um they, she told me this this sto- this song has to be one that sends our love out to all the little children who are different, the children who are in wheelchairs, the children who are not able to speak, Mm. the children who are just different in any kinds of way. We have to have a song that invites them in as well. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the lyric to that and sent it to them, and they just loved it, and they they sent it to their musician friend, Reed Nibley, who did the the music to it, and so that showed up just in time in their songbook. And it has since become one of the most popular songs in the primary songbook. It's even sung in my ward, it's even sung often in the adult uh, classes. So you just you've just a- answered a question for me that we'll get to. But you said in your ward, mm-hmm. you still go to uh, an LDS ward in I California. Do. I I go to the Walnut Creek Second Ward, and guess what? My ward loves me. Well, I in don't spite know. Of, in spite of the fact that I'm, I'm kind of an odd duck, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how they could not love you. How could they? Not? Uh, so we'll go back to uh, because one of the questions somebody had for us earlier was. If you're still a member of the uh, of the LDS Church, I am. That's uh, which I find fascinating. So, uh, let, so we'll go back now mm-hmm. uh, and touch on your. You divorce your husband. Uh, you 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 agree to separate. Yes, and there is a divorce, mm-hmm. and he goes into San Francisco to seek his fortune to find his true love. Mm-hmm. And he has many disappointments, and we remain good friends. Talk to and, him from time to time. And, oh well, he comes out to see the kids. Uh, oh, it, yeah, tw- twice a week, and and then and then once a week. And he's he's working at Scott's Seafood, uh, develops the kitchen for their brand new um, restaurant at Embarcadero, and we, I just sort of watch his journey. And of course, my love for him has changed from that of a husband to that of a friend, a brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's not successful in finding. You know, that's a terrible time in in gay history. So this was in the eighties. Late seventies, uh, yes, the the late seventies and and into the eighties, mm-hmm. and I remember him saying to me once, Blossom, if I could just find a man like you, I would be in seventh <laughs> heaven. <laughs> and uh, uh, were the can I were the kids aware of the situation? And gradually they were, and and were they. Well, they still loved their father. They loved their dad. and uh, Gerald was a very, he was a fun father, mm. and he loved them dearly, and they did fun things together. Mm-hmm. And 
we still had our Christmases together, and mm-hmm. we we maintained a lot of family kinds of experience sure i know i mean as i've i've been divorced and but uh-huh. i always was always there yeah. for my my kid my two kids and yeah. went up went for christmas all the time and that kind yeah. of thing and it was it was uh, shocking to them to know that we were divorcing because they had not seen us fight mm-hmm. and and we made sure that they continued to feel the warmth between us and the warmth to them and of course that was also confusing for them so why would we but gradually they did learn that their father was a gay man Mm -hmm. Uh, it must have been kind of hard for you a single mother and four kids that must have been hard hard to very very hard yeah and but you stayed in california yes and then uh gerald uh uh, was stricken with with AIDS. Yes, and and came back to. Well, yes. When when we learned that he had the AIDS virus, and it it, it wasn't a surprise by that time because he he had been unwell for at least a year, but he he dared not take the test. Yeah. But he he finally took the test and and then told us all and the children were there except for our very very youngest and and of course it was it was terrible and they they had learned in school about uh, the HIV virus and but Gerald was determined that he was going to beat this and there was a lot of scientific stuff going on and maybe they've maybe they have located the virus mm-hmm. maybe there's a breakthrough maybe there's this mm-hmm. but none of that panned out uh, and he so he and, and it was t- toward the end mm-hmm. that and, and I had invited him to come and stay with us earlier but he he said now i have to stay in san francisco for the medical benefits that are there but it was just the last several weeks that he was actually in my home Mm. in walnut creek yeah and and then he went down very 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 rapidly Mm. must have been heartbreaking It, it it was it it was just the most heartbreaking thing i had ever experienced how long um how long uh, b- between the time of his death and uh, were you able to write about it in uh, good, Goodbye, I Love You? Well, it seems strange now that he and I never, ever discussed the possibility of my writing our story. Because I had become an established writer and he had done the, the beginning work to make it so. But we'd, we'd never had that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. And it was really only... Well, I remember a, a few weeks after the death, I was I was there with some of his friends cleaning out his apartment, and I took a break to walk around the block. And, you know, this was a terrible, terrible time. There were young men dying on the streets of San Francisco, yeah. having been um, sent away by their family, having been sent off by their ch- churches. And, and I, I thought... Wow, what if I dared? What if I dared to write our story? Mm-hmm. And and I knew it would be very useful to a lot of people who knew nothing. They knew nothing. And people in our own LDS community who really knew nothing about the phenomenon of homosexuality. Yeah. And, of course, knew very little but the scary thing about AIDS. 
so anyway, it was didn't take very long that, and I I talked to the children about it, and of course they were still young, but they they knew that their father would want it. Yeah. And and when I got the approval of of Gerald's parents. And then I somehow miraculously was put in touch with an agent who very quickly sold the story to Random House. And then it took it took me a year to write it, and then it took them a year to produce it. Mm-hmm. So the, the death was in 84, and the book was published in 86. And it's I, actually I, pretty I quick. That's yes, per- yes I, I remember. When I got a phone call from... My editor saying um, a, a, a place called Deseret Book in Salt Lake City wants an advanced copy of this. I I I could not. I, I just went almost apoplectic. I, I thought I'm not ready for this because I didn't know what would happen. I did not know how that would be received. Yeah. And, uh, and then, and then uh, two weeks later, when she called back and said, um, Deseret Book has ordered a thousand copies of the book, and they have asked if you will do book signings during what they call general conference in Salt Lake and in Provo. I, I, speaking I, I, to I you, remember, as, I, I as remember, if you had never I, heard of it. I, I burst into tears, and right now oh. it's even hard for me to think about that. Yeah. To, to know that all of the fears that I had. We're going to be just for nothing because I, I knew it would be okay. Yeah, I uh, see. I understand. I'm because I'm frankly surprised that that's that's how the book sort of made its made its way was through Deseret Book, and because I you would think that they would look at that and go, well, we don't want this story told. Yeah. We don't want this. Well, their buyer told me that that his wife stayed up all night reading it, and then then he then 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 he read it, and they both said, "Wow, you better get a large number of these." And it's still out. It's still for sale. And you know, it right now it's it's out of print. It, oh, is it's it? It's had numerous NRK uh, incarnations, but right now you would have to get a used copy well. through Amazon. Um, and it's called Goodbye, I Love You. Yes. Uh, so, what is the stance that the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has taken on these issues fairly consistency, consistently and quite recently has not been a good stance toward uh, gay people. Um, they've, they've, uh, uh, Dallin Oaks the other day, just the other day, very firm about, you know, your gender is what you were born with. That's how you were born. That's your gender. Um, we don't want any gender fluidity in this church. Uh, the, uh, if your parents are uh, homosexual, you can't be baptized until you're 21 or, uh, well, and that, that part of it has been reversed. They, yeah, they reversed that, it, but they, policy. but that was, that was hurtful that was when they said it. And, and your, hurtful. and your, your parents are apostates and will right. be cast into outer darkness yeah. when they die. And yet you have remained a member of the, the Mormon well, church. See, this is my work. And I have been treated personally very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I know that the eldest church is not at the end of the journey. And it is not my business to tell them exactly what they should do on this and this and this. But I know 
that they are not at the end of the journey. And and they have made, you know, a number of steps forward, let's say in the last 10 years, a number of steps forward, understanding the science. You see, it's, it's no longer the, the book that Spencer Kimball wrote some time ago that was really such a damaging piece. Mm-hmm. That's no longer in print. Mm-hmm. And, and nobody looks at this as just a sin, just a decision. It is generally looked at and spoken of uh, officially as a phenomenon that that is within the person not something that they chose but it is something that they have the power to choose how they behave around it so of course the the direction still is we're glad to welcome you as a member of the church of of the ward mm-hmm. If you will obey the rules, and and the rules um, are the same, they say, for women and for gay men, unless you are, until you are married in, you know, they used to say legally and lawfully married, mm-hmm. but now married in the way that God has determined Marriage, and that's a man be, and a woman, right? Not there a man is, and a man, absolutely. not a woman and a woman. There is to be no no sexual activity, mm-hmm. which is that. I mean, in and of itself, is asking you to to deny a vital part of of your life, um, right? And there are those who are choosing to do that. Yeah, and we're not able to make a judgment on them, mm-hmm. but the the majority. And, and I'm suggesting the, the large majority of the LGBTQ young people who grow up in the LDS church or who would choose to join the LDS mm-hmm. church are finding that they are not willing yeah. to do that. Can I, can I ask you about your kids? Um, have they uh, remained faithful to the uh, LDS church? Uh, they are not currently participating in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Carolyn Pearson is who we're talking with. Uh, you just, uh, your most recent book, I think I believe it's your most recent, uh, Ghost of Eternal Polygamy? Is that? Yes. Tell me about that. <laughs> oh, my, how I loved writing that book. And see, I, I lived with all of that all my life as I was a teenager. And as I have confessed here, so... Uh, taken with what we call women's issues that are really human issues because they affect everybody. Mm-hmm. The concept, and I, I learned about polygamy as all young LDS people do in seminary and whatever. And and I, I remember going to seminary at BY High School in Provo and our teacher saying, I have something very, very special to talk to you. And he had lost his wife and he had married again in the temple and had a woman sealed to him and so he bore us his testimony that in the in the eternities he would claim both of those women as his wives because that is how it works mm-hmm. 
And he said, I know this will be difficult for you young women, but I promise you, as you become less selfish, as you understand the plan, you will yearn to live the principle of plural marriage. Mm. And I remember walking home, and I write this in the book, in one of the first chapters. I, I walked the six blocks home with this ice in my chest. If that is what God wants for me, that there's something between us. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time in my life that I had this division between me and God. Mm. And I spent a lot, of, a, a lot of tears and a lot of years studying that. And somehow coming to terms with it. <laughs> I came to terms with it in the way that I could live with it, the way that I could relate to God with it. And um, as I, I, I further became inflamed with the project, when, when I, I, I spoke to a dear, dear cousin who had lost her husband um, some years prior, and I asked how she was, if she felt good about going to the next life one of these days. And she said, oh, yes, but, oh, I so worry that that my dear husband has taken a second wife. Mm. And I said, oh, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And she said, well, that's what we're taught. And yep. that is indeed what we are taught. Yeah, I know. And, and uh, it, it, is, it is still alive and well. And you, you know that sure. an LDS man can become a widower or even a divorcee. Mm-hmm. And he can have sealed to him a second wife yeah. or a third wife. Mm-hmm. And so I began, well, I put out, with the help of my dear friend Greg Prince, I put out a survey to all LDS members, men, women, uh, former members, and and on, on day one, I, I, a survey asking what they felt about the ex- expectation of eternal polygamy and what they felt about the inequality in the sealing practices. And on day one... It, it, it was just astonishing. And I spoke to Greg that evening, and he said, wow, we've gotten over 2,400 responses. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the four weeks, we had more than 8,000 responses. And so I spent a summer reading every one of them, and I asked for stories, and I categorized the stories. And I, I wrote this book, and it's a heartbreaking book because there are so many. And let's just talk for a moment about the young women yeah. who are happily married to a man they adore. And one of the first responses that I got just broke my heart. A young woman who had two children, and she had become a hypochondriac because she said, I, if, if I die young... I know my husband will marry again, mm-hmm. and that will mean that I will have no choice. In the next life, I will, I will have to live polygamy. Mm. So she put every effort into staying healthy. <laughs> she had the slightest twinge. She would go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She felt something wrong in her inside. She went to the doctor because if we catch the cancer first, it, it, early, it, 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 won't, it won't kill me. Yeah. And my heart broke for her. And, and, and so many others 
I, I hope that you, uh, the people who will re- hear this, I hope if you have any interest, if you have people who might be touched by all of this, I urge you to get the book. And it is available, The Ghost of Eternal Polygamy, um, subtitle Haunting the Hearts and Heaven yeah. of Mormon Women and Men, mm. and the hundreds and hundreds and thousands of women and men that because this is this is not a great thing for men it hurts everybody yeah but but the women who wrote to me of holding back a part of their husband holding back a part of their heart from their husband whom they loved dearly because one of them wrote i just want to hold something back from myself for when when the, the 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 crash comes, and 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 the and marriage as I know it, yeah, will will be done. Yeah. Uh, look for that book by Carolyn Pearson. Uh, Ghosts of Eternal Polygamy. Uh, is there one, I, I mean, probably your inclination would be to say, well, the book I just wrote, but is there some book of yours or some work of yours that you're, that you like the, the very most, that you're most proud of, that you're... Oh, you know, there's a little book called The Lesson That Has Done So Well that has helped a lot of people. A very simple little spiritual book. The Lesson. The Good. Lesson. So look for that. There, there, there are a number of, of Christmas books that I did. I, I wrote a book on synchronicity, on meaningful coincidence. Huh. That, that is now called Embracing Coincidence. Hmm. Right, that sounds fascinating. Oh, oh it is. Uh, I experience synchronicities all the time. Yeah. And they're, they're sort of little... Uh, it, it, if you're stable and you don't go crazy mm-hmm. with them, you, you can just enjoy them. And when when something happens that you know two things bump up and bump up against each other, yeah, yeah, you can say, "Wow, does does that teach me something?" Mm-hmm. And, and often it does. Yeah. It, it becomes a kind of a metaphor that you can study and say that enriches my life to think about that. I know what you, I think. I know what you mean yeah. exactly. And then finally, let's uh, just just to give you a, a a kudo an accolade. You not only won this award from Equality Utah, but you just were named uh, a lifetime achievement. Award for uh, in the Association of Mormon Letters. Is yes, that, that's right. pretty prestigious, isn't it? It is prestigious, and I was very happy to receive that. Yeah, because I have done a long, long work. I've, I've published over forty books and plays, mm-hmm. and many of them do do bear on on LDS themes. Yeah, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And you know what? What? I, I am I have just finished completing a manuscript of radical poems, some of the best I have ever written. Really? And that, that'll be published soon? Next, uh, next summer. Does it have a title yet? The title that I'm working on is Under Her Wings, subtitle, Finding Our Misplaced Mother God. Mm. You know, women's issues aren't just for this world here. We need to take them up to heaven. On that note, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Carolyn Pearson. A pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Uh, That's it for this edition of the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred. Thanks again to Carolyn Pearson. Thanks to Dick Clark, who helps produce this show. I'm Bill Allred. And remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Mm -hmm.